Well, welcome back. My name is Pastor Milo. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's so good to have you here with us this morning. Uh, Pastor Mario is here with us today. Pastor Brian is here with us today. And what we're doing here, uh, we, we want to be able to use this, this forum to be able to start a conversation, start a dialogue that we really do hope that you would take to your dinner table uh, and have a conversation that can begin here and carry it on uh, much further throughout the day as things go. Uh, we do want to stay, as, as you saw at the end of that video, uh, we had some great shots of our kids doing some neat stuff, our students uh, interacting and playing with one another. Uh, we probably should tell you that the, that video is old. Uh, it's not something that happened this week. Uh, we're not throwing uh, fake snowballs at each other or anything right now. We are practicing our social distancing. Uh, but man, we are so glad you're here with us today. And so uh, we know that we would love to be together face to face, but right now it's screen to screen. And so thank you so much for joining us in this way. I want to ask you a question, and some of you have already begun to answer this online, but ask you the question of what inspirational quote uh, has been overused and abused during this time. A lot of us are on Facebook too much right now. A lot of us are interacting with social media way more than you ever had before, particularly some of you who are seniors in our church who had never been on uh, this social media thing before. You're just getting accustomed to it, just getting used to it. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of memes that are shared back and forth, and some of them just get overused and abused. And so uh, I want to ask you if you have one that maybe you want to share with us that's been overused and abused. Uh, for me, the, the statement, and there's more to it than this, people insert their own thing, is just the idea of keep calm and carry on. Now, now we have to remind ourselves we're in a global pandemic. And so the worst thing that you can do for someone who's about to have a panic attack is to say, just stop panicking. Just keep calm. Just don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And the idea that you could just tell someone that and, and shoot a, a meme to them over and over and over. Uh, just keep calm. It's okay. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Friends, it's not fine. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of pain and suffering around the world. And many of us are in areas, particularly of us here in western New York and Buffalo, Niagara region, that, that we haven't been hit in the same way that New York City has been hit. We haven't been hit in some of the ways that other cities have been hit. But man, there's a lot going on. And just telling people to keep calm is not going to be enough. And so what we want to be able to do is go a little bit deeper than that. So if you imagine with me, imagine if uh, right now there's a lot of different uh, announcements and, and, and public service announcements that are being made at the, at the governor's house or at uh, the, the Rose Garden in D.C. The president is speaking. Or if, Imagine with me, if you will, that, that someone of very strong importance is making an announcement to the television cameras and, and, and they're there and they're beginning to speak, beginning to talk. And, and out, of, out of the shadows wanders the guy who's the gardener there. And he just kind of happens to wander into the shot. And as he does, somebody asks him a question, and he begins to answer the question and deals with that question very specifically. For instance, a question regarding how will we get enough testing out to everyone in the United States before we can open up the country. And this person uh, who was holding a set of garden shears makes their way to the front of everyone else wearing business suits. And as they uh, begin to talk, people begin to listen and they lay out a very methodical plan for what uh, the country should do. And they have everything figured out all the way across the board. And they have the people and the places all nailed down. This ordinary man coming with an extraordinary message to make a major difference. 
I want to paint that picture for you because in many ways that's what we see as we open the book of Acts today. Acts chapter 2. If you're just joining us today, you need to know uh, we have begun the book of Acts. We began at Easter Sunday. Acts chapter 2. And we're looking at this as we're talking uh, together at this sermon series called Table Talk. We're looking at how the church formed and then what does that mean for us today? We're sitting today, there's about six of us here today, in an empty room uh, in a church building that is a beautiful place, a beautiful building. But this is not really what the church was meant to be. The mission of God was not designed to be a building. It was God's people on mission for him. And so as we ask this question, or as we, we paint this picture of an ordinary man with an extraordinary message, today we're going to see in Acts chapter 2, a man stuck up to the microphone who would have never had the ability to speak publicly, would have never had the opportunity to be heard by anyone. And he steps up to the microphone and the Apostle Peter, as you know, if you know this passage, the Apostle Peter has something to say that simply floors his audience. See, the Apostle Peter is a fisherman. Jesus, as he called the disciples, Jesus called out to these disciples who were out rowing their boat after fishing all night, and he calls out to them and says, hey, why don't you try fishing on the other side of the boat? And the irony is, is these men are, are specialists at their field, and they have been fishing all night long and have caught nothing in Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, their Savior, Jesus, their Lord, as they would come to understand. He calls out to them and says, hey, why don't you try fishing on the other side of the boat? The Apostle Peter and the other apostles who were with him, the disciples as they uh, came to Jesus, they, they pull in the largest, the largest bounty that they had ever imagined to the point they began to sink the boats. This was Peter. This was Peter who was there uh, each time that Jesus performed many of his uh, miracles that people saw and people interacted with. This same Peter was the one who would be there uh, by Jesus' side when Jesus was taken in the Garden of Gethsemane and he would try to fight to protect him. This was the same Peter who said, I will not deny you, Christ, but by morning, as you know from the stories and from uh, the history that we know of Good Friday going into Easter, that he would deny him three times. Now here, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, uh, not too long ago we had a, a recruit that came to Buffalo. His name uh, was Vernon Davis, and he came here to play football. And in the middle of the game, uh, the first half of the game, things looked dire and things looked pretty rough in that particular football game. And in unprecedented measure, during the halftime speech that the coaches gave, he just threw in the chips and walked out of the locker room during halftime. Didn't even, wasn't even willing to stand on the sidelines for the second half of the game. He quit in the middle of the battle. Uh, he hasn't found a place that I understand on any other football team in the National Football League because someone who has done something like that has no place in the NFL. Isn't it ironic, though, that at the darkest hour, at the point where Jesus would appear to have needed him the most, that Peter, with all of his uh, courage and all of his bravery to try to fight off the soldiers, then would deny Christ three times that night and say, I never knew him, had nothing to do with him, want nothing to do with him that night. This Peter is now the man stepping up to the microphone to tell you about Jesus tell you the story of how Jesus is going to change the world. Don't you find that ironic that this ordinary man who would stand in front of that mic, who had, had now have, have no, no grounds to stand on, except for the fact that when Jesus uh, was risen from the dead, he came back and he talked to Peter. 
and he gathered him in a similar fashion to just how he called him in the first place. Jesus uh, helped Peter uh, catch an enormous catch of fish. Again, the boat was about to sink and the apostle Peter looks over and sees Jesus on the shoreline, dives out of the boat, swims to shore because Jesus would reinstate him uh, to his position so that now as he stands in front of this crowd, as he steps up to the microphone, this ordinary man would have some extraordinary words that God had given him to say that would change the world. And so no, I don't think that a meme or a, a, a snapshot of a picture that says keep calm and carry on is going to be able to change uh, anything in my life. But I do think that what we're sharing with you this morning has all the power in the world to change your life. I saw another one this week that, that asked me to reflect on this statement because things are quiet, things are slow right now. The idea of, are you doing what you truly want to do. And I guess what I'm supposed to do is I see that and I'm supposed to look at that and, and think about it. I mean, I, am, am I truly doing what I want to do? And so I guess that's what you do. You, you think about it and you take a couple minutes then you look back and say, so am I truly doing what I want to do? Because I guess I, I could make changes and, and, and make, make that. But then what do I do? I do the same thing that most of us do. I set my phone down and go on my life and that's the end of that. I guess I thought about it for a few minutes. What the Apostle Peter is doing here, this uneducated man who is going to answer life's hardest questions, and he's going to give you answers to these questions that will change your life, has the power to change your life. So four questions today that will change your life. Four questions today that will change your life. And this uneducated man, this, this simple man, this ordinary man with an extraordinary message is going to answer these four questions. And not only did it change his own life, it changed the life of the disciples and the apostles who were there with him. It changed the life of all who were present at Pentecost. And it set forth the foundation steps that we continue to follow today. Uh, not just in the first century, not the second century, third century, but the 21st century. These are the foundational principles that guide us as Christ followers going forward through the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit moving like a wind and fire through the crowd. And don't for a minute think that when Peter stepped up to the microphone that the Holy Spirit was no longer moving in that room. The Holy Spirit was now tremendously moving in him and you'll see today what happens. So the first question that we want to ask, the first question that will change your life is this, what does this mean? The first question we ask is this, what does this mean? Mean. If you've got your Bibles open, I'm in the New International Version today, reading from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, and they said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. What does this mean? So the Apostle Peter is there. We asked you the Facebook question just to get the ball rolling this morning. Are you a night owl or are you a morning songbird? It is nine o'clock in the morning. Now, I did serve in the Marine Corps, and I know that, uh, that Amario served as well. And there were some times that we had some really early mornings. And there were some guys who thought that they were invincible and they had gone out the night before and they had enjoyed the night to the fullest to the point that their night had run into the morning. 
And it wasn't just once or twice. It was dozens of times that these young men would come and we would run a mile or five miles. And you could smell their sweat smelled like alcohol. I mean, the, the sweat was coming off them. You could smell exactly where they had been because that night owl was not ready for the morning. As we look here, the Apostle Peter is, is demonstrating and talking about what is going on because they're saying, what is happening here? What does this mean? Because there are people who are speaking in languages that they had never heard before. Uh, people from all over the known world are there and the Holy Spirit has moved with wind and with fire. and There's something incredible happening. And people are looking around and saying, I've never seen anything like this before. Hundreds of people sharing the glory and the, and the beauty of Christ with others. Uh, we, we talked last week how there is a reference to the Tower of Babel and how uh, all the languages were dispersed and split up and sent in other ways. And now, in God's glory, He's bringing people back together and He's using languages in a similar fashion uh, to show the glory and the beauty of God. The, the Holy Spirit was now dwelling in His people. This is where He would dwell going forward. And there was something peculiar happening because it was not just Jews who were speaking. Uh, it was not just Jews who were sharing God's glory. It was Gentiles from all nations. And not just Gentiles, men from other nations, but women were sharing in the glory of God. Nothing had ever been done before where women would have a mouthpiece like this. Children were speaking. God was using them in tremendous ways. The Holy Spirit was moving in tremendous ways. And the only response that people could have were out outlookers looking in. They say, I don't know what's going on over there. They must be drunk. The Apostle Peter says, wait a minute, friends. I don't know whether you're a night owl. I don't know whether you're a morning songbird. But you've got to understand, what you are seeing here has nothing to do with alcohol. I don't know what kind of parties you've been to, friends. Uh, but the Apostle Peter says, there is no party that looks like this when it comes to being drunk with wine. No, he's going to explain exactly what does this mean? Let's continue on in verse 16. What does this mean? Continuing in verse 16. No, he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. The moon will be turned to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's what the Apostle Peter concludes. He says, look around. See what you're seeing. Let me tell you what's happening. What does this mean? Today is the day. What does this mean? Today is the day. You want to ask four questions that will change your life? This question of what does this mean? You need to know the answer to that question is today is the day. I know I'm getting excited about this and sharing some of these things with you because really, it's just really spectacular to me to see Peter, this ordinary man, doing something incredible through the Holy Spirit moving in his life. But he reaches back into his scriptures and he dives into the book of Joel. And he, he brings something out that I think many of us would have missed and many of the leaders and rulers of that day would have missed as well here from Joel. Uh, Pastor Mario, will you share with us some of the, just the beauty of what's being shared here from Joel? I know, like, uh, I don't know if you're like myself, but one of the things that I get excited about is Christmas morning, the anticipation of knowing that day's coming, or maybe your birthday is a special day or something along those lines where there's just a day that you look forward to. 
And really that's what's happening here in this text is that, uh, that Peter is speaking about a day that the, the Jewish people at the time had been waiting for for a long time. And as we've already seen in the text of Acts, it's the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the believers. There's a passage in Numbers chapter 11 where Moses, I'm sorry, where, um, where, yeah, where Moses speaks to Joshua and says, he said, I wish that all of God's people would be prophets and have the Holy Spirit. And so we know in the Old Testament that not everybody had the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit came upon people at different times and they performed a specific ministry or whatever that God had empowered them to do. But yet when we take a look specifically at the book of Joel, what happens is that God prophesies through the prophet that the Holy Spirit would come on all flesh, on all people. And we see that's exactly what's happening here in the book of Acts. And, uh, and the way that Peter addresses this is he puts it in the, um, he, he uses this, this passage of, of, of Joel that's so important for us to understand. We've been talking about in the last few weeks the here and the not yet how we have eternal life now as we walk on this earth. We can have eternal life with Christ now. But yet we also understand that in the future, we will have eternal life with the Lord in heaven. Well, in the book of Joel, there's a phrase that is used, and it, we can see it here in, in, in Acts where, Paul, where Peter says this. He talks about the glorious day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, if you need a, a good Bible study to do this week or you want some scripture to read, just get a concordance or some scripture reference and look up that phrase, the day of the Lord. And what you'll come to realize is that most of the time it's referring to a day of God's judgment, a day where God appears and he judges the nations, uh, where uh, even in the book of Joel, God is says he will judge the nation of Israel. And out of that judgment in the book of Joel, what happens is that then God promises his spirit to all people. And so when we put that together, what Peter is saying here, it's just an awesome picture of God, again, judging the nations, and here we have all the nations represented in Acts, where they're able to hear the gospel being spoken, and, and the gospel is being preached to them, and the word of God is being poured out. Interestingly enough, um, Jesus, before he left, told his disciples, he said, listen, I'm going to be leaving, but I'm going to be sending the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus, in John chapter 16, listen to what he says. He says, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus equates the coming of the Holy Spirit with judgment, just like the book of Joel talks about the day of the Lord with judgment. And isn't it a beautiful story here that Jesus defeated death. Jesus brought judgment to death. He brought judgment to sin. And in, 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 in the train of, his, of that story, the Holy Spirit is poured out, just like it's spoken of in the book of Joel. Today is the day that the Spirit is poured out and judgment upon all the nations through the gospel is revealed. So as the Apostle Peter is reading this text. Uh, many people say that this festival that they were there a part of, that, that this text would have been part of the regular readings. And now he's bringing light to it. He's, he's pointing it out and is saying, uh, maybe you haven't considered this in a while. Uh, we asked you the question as to whether you've read the book of Joel recently. I'll admit myself, I haven't read through Joel uh, other than my annual Bible reading plan. I haven't considered Joel in a very long time. 
So for the Apostle Peter to be able to, to dive in here and to be able to bring light to this, uh, what he is really getting after is this idea that today is the day and that judgment would come. And they were so excited to hear this because they felt like they were under the rule and the impression of the, the Roman rulers that they needed someone uh, to come and be their savior. They needed someone to come and fight their way out of the situation they were in. And they felt like they were looking at this passage and saying, today is the day, victory is ours. And so they're passionate about that. They're excited about that. And so if there's four questions that are going to change your life, the first question is, what does this mean? Today is the day. The second question we must ask is, who is this Jesus? The second question that Peter asks is, who is this Jesus? He wants to deal with this and deal with it very specifically. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited, accredited to God, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep hold on him. Isn't this a beautiful statement? So again, Peter is making this connection. He's making this connection. He's saying uh, that God had a plan, a very deliberate plan for how this would happen. And he, he's very specific because Jesus was a common name. Jesus was a name as, as similar as Joseph Smith or, or, or uh, Tom Jones, whatever that, that common name would be of the day. But this Jesus, he says, Jesus of Nazareth. He's accredited to God by miracles, by wonders, by signs. And wouldn't the Apostle Peter know what those miracles and signs would be? He had been there when Jesus walked across the Sea of Galilee, wandered across the Sea of Galilee, it would seem, and happened upon his boat that was out in the middle of the sea being tossed and turned. And he says to Peter, when Peter cries out to him, he says to Peter, why don't you come out and go for a stroll with me? And Peter gets out of the boat and walks across the water. And he says, these wonders and signs that you have seen and I have experienced. This is Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Do you remember when Peter is there on the top of the mountain? Peter has seen with his own, side, his own eyes, he has seen Jesus feed the 5,000. He has seen him take uh, uh, bread and lo loaves and fishes and, and divide them up and feed 5,000 people just as if it was the easiest thing that's ever happened. He, he's seen him do that. And he goes to the top of the mountain with Jesus. And there it says Jesus was transfigured in all of his glory before him. And Peter sees this with his own eyes. And then they come back down. And the question is asked of Peter and the other disciples. He says, uh, you have heard the stories what, what are people saying on the street? What's the word on the street, disciples? What are they telling you? What have they heard about me? And they respond and say, some of them think that you are Elijah. They think that you are one of the prophets or Moses. So, but Peter, his own response, he says, I believe you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one that we have been waiting for. And he looks at Jesus and he says in this statement, he says, well, you, through God's deliberate plan, through his foreknowledge, he says, you, and he's looking at the crowd in front of him with, with passion and with fire in his eyes. He says, you, with the help of wicked men. He's already referred to Judas 
as a man who is wicked. And you know that he is putting himself in the same category. Because he alone, he stood there and and spoke uh, those words of denying Christ. He knows that he is a wicked man. He knows that he is an ordinary man, a meaningless man. Yet through Christ, he has power to speak this message. And then he refers again for the impossibility of death to hold him. Why? Because Peter was there when he arose. The tomb was empty. Easter morning, Peter was of the two men, Peter and John, who sprinted to the tomb. The women said that the tomb was empty, the grave was empty. No one believed him. And Peter, with his own eyes, stooped in, ducked in, and looked. And he saw those grave clothes. And he saw that Jesus was no longer there. And you would not believe the change that came over him in that moment. He is going to say here and say again and say again, Who is this Jesus? He is the Christ. So the four questions that we're telling you that can change your life and are changing the lives of the listeners there. What does this mean? Today is the day. Who is this Jesus? He is the Christ. Here's the third question. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Many of our friends hear us uh, talk about uh, Christ. Maybe people in your neighborhood, maybe people who have heard you uh, speak before or heard you uh, share the gospel with you, and they say, that's nice. I know that it's better for us to live a moral life, perhaps. Uh, why does this matter? Well, the Apostle Peter is going to answer that question then, and the answer is the same for us today. Beginning in verse 25, read with me. David said about him, so he quotes David, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also rests in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made me known the paths of life. You will fill me with the joy in your presence. And then he says to the Israelites, fellow Israelites, he calls them in. First he called them fellow Jews. Now he calls them fellow Israelites. He says, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died. He was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet. And he knew that God had promised him on an oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor would his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father and the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out on what you now see and hear and experience. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said this, he quotes him again, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I know I've read a lot of verses there. Here's the main point that's being made. Why does it matter? Jesus is Lord. Why does this matter? Jesus is Lord. Brian. My, my mouth is getting dry. I just shared so many verses all at once. Share with us a little bit about the background of why, why does he quote David? Why is this so powerful for this text? Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, in this section, Peter is, uh, the big point Peter is trying to make in this section is this idea that Jesus is Lord, and particularly uh, that Jesus is Lord over death. So if you, if you uh, the verse right before it in verse 24b as he's leading into, he's about to proof text uh, this crowd. He's supposed to give them uh, Psalm uh, 16. And right before it, he says, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then he goes into this 
this, uh, this little section on Psalm uh, 16. He's emphasizing the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. He died and then he came back. This is, this is what's going to make Jesus different than everyone else. And so Peter, throughout this message, is really harping on this, the idea that Jesus is Lord over death. And so here he is. He quotes Psalm chapter 16 as a proof text. And he starts off by saying, I saw the Lord always before me. And he uses this term Lord quite a bit, actually, in this little, in this little section. He wants to communicate very clearly that Jesus is Lord, and particularly Jesus is Lord over death. But when he quotes this psalm, uh, he's quoting this psalm that's written by David. David is writing it in the first, he's writing about himself, we think. It sounds like that. David says, uh, he talks about, uh, he really uses first per- person pronouns, me, I. Uh, and when you look at it uh, at first glance, you think that David's talking about himself. He says, uh, uh, the Holy One, uh, he did not abandon his Holy One to the grave. He did not let him see decay, and he made known the path of life. And what Peter wants to do here is he wants to let his listeners know that David's not talking about himself here, right? There's this Holy One. He says this Holy One, he's not going to see decay. He's, he's, gonna, he's not been abandoned uh, to the grave. He's going to be made known the path of life, but it's not him. This holy one is not David. David is actually referring to somebody else. And it's Jesus. In fact, Peter uh, uh, says, listen, David died. So if David thinks this is about himself, it's not. We know where his grave is. Let's, after this, let's all go over and check it out just to really prove the point. It wasn't David because there he is. He's in the grave. He's dead. So David is not the one that overcame death and the grave. It was Jesus David all along was talking about Jesus, that the Holy One would come, that God promised David that his descendant after him would come and would put everything back to normal. So he says, and he wants everyone to know, that death came for David. Death came for him, but it didn't get Jesus. It didn't get him fundamentally. Jesus is Lord over death. Jesus didn't stop at the grave. He didn't see decay. He he made known the path of life. Jesus didn't come. Jesus came for David, but he didn't come for Jesus. And here's the thing. I think one of the things that this COVID-19 thing is really showing us is that death is going to come for all of us. That for a long time, we've kind of uh, maybe lived in the mirage of safety, of security, that particularly in our country and in our world, um, it, we, we just get this sense like, well, I, you know, I'm pretty well secure, I'm, I'm pretty well safe. And I think, uh, if anything, what this COVID-19 has showed us is that we're not that safe and we're not that secure. Uh, we, we have things in the blink of an eye our whole world can get turned up. In fact, a few of you have mentioned over Facebook about people that you know, friends or family that have died from COVID-19. And you, this is impacting you very personally. You have names, you have faces that you've seen that remind you that death comes for all of us and that we have to face that reality that death is going to beat us all, uh, at least for this round. So why does this matter? Why is it that we need to know that Jesus is Lord over death? Because ultimately Jesus wins. That COVID-19 doesn't win. That death doesn't win. Death doesn't get the final say. Death doesn't get the last word. Jesus does. 
And so Jesus is Lord over death. Lord means a ruler or a, someone who oversees it all, right? Maybe you've heard the expression, don't, don't lord that over me, right? It's that same kind of idea that somebody is ultimately in charge. And the death and resurrection of Jesus, what it tells us and what it reminds us, why it matters, is that Jesus wins in the end. He beats COVID-19. He beats death. He does not let his Holy One see decay. He rises up, and now we, who belong to Jesus now, get to experience that too. We get to be part of what Jesus is doing and get raised with him because Jesus ultimately is Lord over death. If you guys would humor me for just a second, there's a couple of uh, historical background pieces here that I think really highlight this that are super cool I want to show you. Now remember, the context of this is a festival. They're celebrating the Festival of Weeks, the Greek version, what we would call Pentecost, right? 50 days after Passover, you're supposed to come. And what this festival did is it celebrated two major things. The first thing it did was it was to celebrate the start of the harvest, the wheat harvest particularly. It was what's called a first fruit festival. And the whole idea around it is right as those first little buds are coming up, right as the first little wheat is coming up, God says in Leviticus 23 that you are to take those, you're to bring them to the temple, and you're supposed to show them to God. And the whole idea is that we uh, trust you, God. We are placing these very first fruits in front of you because we know we need the rest. We need the full harvest. If we're going to survive this next year, we, we are counting on you to bring the rest. And so we're going to bring this first fruit in order to do that. Let me read you quickly. Leviticus 23, this is God instructing the people on what to do for this festival. He says, Whenever you, wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two tenths of Ephraim, the finest flour from that wheat, the finest flour, bake it with yeast as a wave offering of the first fruits to the Lord. Okay, so you're coming. So that, again, the whole context around this, this speech Peter is giving is that everyone is there with their first fruit. Everyone is there to present it to the temple in order to say, God, we are giving you the very first that you gave us in order to uh, trust you and to celebrate that we trust that you're going to give us the rest in order for us to survive. Now, what's neat about that is Paul actually takes this idea. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this about Jesus. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He is the Lord of, the de of death. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He calls Jesus the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man to those who belong to him. So the idea here is that Jesus conquers death. He is the Lord of death. He is the first fruit. And so when we look at Jesus, we say, God, we need life. We're, we're going to die. Death is going to beat us unless we have a first fruit. And so we look to Jesus as our first fruit, trusting that we will get included in the end. We will get the rest in the end. So Jesus becomes our first fruit right in the middle of a festival in which they are celebrating the first fruits. And then Paul takes that idea and says, yep, Jesus is the first fruit. One last one, I promise, and then I'll be done. I won't speak. I promise I won't Preach speak it. again. Here we go. Pentecost number two. So first one's first fruit. Number two, Pentecost was to remember God giving his law at Mount Sinai. Because if you remember the, the, the timetable, right, they leave Egypt for the Passover. So they celebrate Passover, they leave Egypt. About 50 days later, where do they find themselves? Mount Sinai. 
So right at this very same time, God's people found themselves at Mount Sinai, and God gave them the law. So if you remember the story, right? And what's cool is that the same kind of stuff, fire, wind, uh, smoke, these same things that are happening at Pentecost happened then. So the the Pharisees and, and God's people said, oh, okay, yeah, we should be celebrating Mount Sinai too. This is another one of those type of events. But if you remember the story, Moses goes up, right? He gets the law. He's got his tablets. He comes down, and what does he find? He finds that the people have made a golden calf. They've, he's gone too long, and they get nervous. They make a calf. And Moses, right, he throws the, he throws the tablets down, and he tells the priests. Now, we, this is the part of the story in Sunday school. They never tell anyone, right, in Sunday school. But uh, in, the, in the story, in Exodus 32, in the story, he rounds up his priests, and he says, go into the, the people, find everyone who's responsible, and kill them. Yeah. Right? We, we leave that part out of the Sunday school. But if, if in, this, in the story, in Exodus 32, the Levites did as Moses commanded, and on that day, about 3,000 people died. So in that story, he sends them out, and they kill 3,000 people because they can't follow the law. Ultimately, they aren't able to follow the law. Now, on to this day, Right? Peter's going to get done with his speech. He's going to say, you can't follow the law on your own. You need a savior. You need a first fruit. And then we're, well, Pastor Milo is going to read this in a second. But how many people get saved on that day? 3,000. Yep. And if you're a Jew, you're reading that, you're going, oh, Jesus is the Lord of life. Instead of it bringing death like it did before, now when Jesus comes, Jesus, our first fruit, He's going to bring life. 3,000 people died then, and now 3,000 people will be brought to life through salvation. Pretty, pretty cool Amen. stuff. That's good stuff. So, so let's do this, because we're, we're at a spot right here where the Apostle Peter, I want to re, redraw the setting, you know, snap the picture one more time. Again, remember, just like there's a, a, a public announcement by a, a governor or someone of, of high authority is being had, all the people are gathered together and this man you'd never expect to speak steps up to the microphone and just drops. Mm-hmm. Again, we're all sharing here tremendous amounts mm-hmm. of information, and he is just spitting it out through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, guys, let's if we can just take a moment and recap what is the message that he is he is sharing. Uh, so, if I go through the points of it, just to say, what does this mean? Uh, today is the day. Who is this Jesus? He is the Christ. Why does it matter? Jesus is Lord. So how did he confirm that today was the day? What did he go back to? He went to, to Joel. What did he, went he say? went to Joel. Today is the day. Judgment on sin has come, yep. and the Holy Spirit is being poured out into the presence of all believers. Yes. Today right. is the day. And so he's pointing that this is the demonstration, right? That he is able to, to, to make that connection of what he had seen in, in the book of Joel and make that connection. It's happening right now. Look around, people. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. And then uh, when we say, who is this Jesus? He is the Christ. And he, and he points out very specifically uh, the, the different ways that Jesus, it says uh, numerous ways that he, his glory was demonstrated and, and was shown. Uh, guys, what are some of the different ways, again, that the people in that audience would have known and could have told stories themselves? I mean, I gave a couple of Peter's examples, but what are the other examples that they would have known very clearly about this Jesus? Well, to, to talk about our point, mo- many of them might have been around uh, that saw Lazarus raised from the dead, yeah, right? Absolutely. Talk about, talking about life, talking about uh, being born again. There it is right there. Yeah. 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 So Lazarus, what else? Yeah, I mean, like I said, they, they would have been coming maybe with their, that first fruit in their hands, right? Because it was 9 a.m., right? That's what they get accused of being drunk in. That's yeah. right at the start of the, of the service. 
for the weeks. So this is when you're bringing. So they might have had those first fruits in their hands as Peter was talking. And he says, it's actually Jesus that is our first fruit that we get to see that. So that would have definitely hit home for them uh, in a very tactile way. So so today's the day. He's the Christ. And then the point that Jesus is Lord. Just just recap for us one more time. How Mm -hmm. are we going to be able to remember the point that, that Peter is making about him being Lord. Yeah, he quotes David in Psalm uh, 16. He says, my holy one's not going to see decay. My holy one is, is going to be redeemed from the grave, but it's not David. David's in the ground. We'll go see it. But we know that Jesus is Lord over death, and that's why this matters. Is because then we get to be risen with Christ. He's our first fruit, and God promises the rest. So Peter finishes his sermon with that, and then immediately you see the response of the people. Check this out. And we ask the fourth question. Uh, fourth question is this. What shall we do? Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that they had just experienced together all there. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And as Brian just stated, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. What is the answer to this question? If there's four questions that are going to change our lives, what shall we do? You must repent. What shall we do? You must repent. As we look at this passage, uh, save yourselves from the corrupt generation. He says 3,000 were saved. And those who are far off, he says, that's you and me, friends. (laughs) We're the ones who are far off. This is those that the Lord will call in the future. And with many other words, he warned them. So those of you who think that I preach for too long or that the three of us, we, we speak too long. This is, this is the Cliff Notes version of Peter's sermon. Because you might read this. You say, man, if I read this just top to bottom, it only took me about four and a half or five minutes. Why is it that you talk so long on a Sunday morning? Uh, the reality is, is, as Peter continued to be able to demonstrate these things and the Holy Spirit moved through him using many other words he said he pleaded with them and friends if I'm able to to do that today to plead with you and say repent you must repent when you hear that word it ought to trigger memories for you a word picture or or, or a, a snapshot if you will of John the Baptist opening the book of Mark and taking people out into the wilderness. And, and he is a prophet uh, to the full extent. He's got wild hair. He's got locust uh, uh, belts. And he, he eats locusts. And he's got uh, camel hair for a belt. It's just a really weird dude. <laughs> but what is he doing? He's calling people out into the desert. Out into the wilderness. And he's calling them out there. And saying, your purpose in coming here is that you have gotten away from God's will. The will that God has laid out for your life and laid out for the people of Israel, you have gotten away from. And he tells them, in a word, again, repent or you will perish. Repent or you will perish. As Pastor Mario just spoke to a minute ago, the the, the prophet Joel had been talking about the day will come. Uh, The day is here. Repent, 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 he is saying. If you understand the word repent, if I was walking from the front of this room to the back of this room, the word repent is all about walking one direction, putting your foot in the ground, turning and walking in the other direction. In this room, you'd be walking straight towards the cross. 
Repent, he says. You must repent. And the baptism is the full demonstration of that. And so we are a Baptist church. And behind me, uh, there is a baptismal pool that we fill. And just a week or two ago, we got to be able to share in the story. Uh, when, when one of our uh, sisters in Christ was baptized uh, in front of all of you, and, and that was a demonstration of a repentant heart that breaks away. So we need to be able to know that when we break away from our sin and we walk in another direction, it says here that in the name of Christ Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to do so. And so if we ask the four questions, this extraordinary message that is being shared, what does this mean? Today is the day. Who is this Jesus? He is the Christ. Why does it matter? Jesus is Lord. What shall we do? What shall you do today with this message that is being shared with you? You must repent. Let me be more clear with you and say it this way. Very concise and very clearly. It's this. Today is the day. He is the Christ. Jesus is Lord. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good leader. He is Lord. Therefore, You must repent. You must repent. And the Apostle Peter, he shares this. And they are cut to the heart, it says. And they repent and they are baptized. Why? In the name of Jesus Christ, it says. For the what? For the forgiveness of sins. You see, ultimately, Jesus Christ is the only one with the power to forgive sins. When the leaders, religious rulers, and the Pharisees of the day, when they were scrutinizing Jesus and looking for ways that they would be able to trap him, one of the ways that they they cited, one one of the points that they made while he was on trial is that he said that he was able to forgive sins. The Apostle Peter was there. The Apostle Peter was there when the man was a paralyzed man and his friends had brought him before Jesus when they climbed up onto the roof of the house and torn open the roof of the house so they could get close to Jesus. And then they lowered down the man on his bed right before Jesus because they knew that if they brought him near Jesus, that Jesus had the power. If he was the Messiah, if he was Lord, as he said that he was, he would have the power to heal him. But what does he say to this man? Jesus says, go for your sins are forgiven. Go for your sins are forgiven. And he jumps up and he walks away with his friends. Friends, you need to understand that today is the day. He is the Christ. Jesus is Lord. Therefore, when we ask ourselves these questions, it will change your life if you realize and you grasp a hold of and allow the Holy Spirit power to transform you as you move forward that you must repent and grab a hold of the forgiveness. You've been laying paralyzed in a bed and now you can walk forward because Jesus Christ has the power over sin, the power over death, and he says to you and to me and all of those who were there in that room that day, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. So this morning we did say that this would be a time that we would share together in communion as well. And there in the communion time, there when he gathers together with his disciples and with his apostles, he is going to demonstrate in the next moments what forgiveness truly looks like. And what forgiveness looks like is sacrifice. Sacrifice. And Jesus paid the price and the penalty of sin and of death with the sacrifice of his own life and then rose victorious over 
death. And so if you've already gotten them out, I, I hope that you do, uh, a cup of juice or coffee or milk or whatever it is. And uh, again, here we're using Ritz crackers or wafers, whatever you want to be able to do to participate in communion with us here today. This is a symbol that was given to us by Jesus Christ to demonstrate what forgiveness of sins really looks like. What repentance really looks like is grasping and grabbing a hold of this. We call it the Lord's Supper, the last supper that was shared. Uh, and we, if we're going to say that Jesus is Lord, then we're going to take a part of the supper that he says that we are to share together. If we sip, a, sip grape juice and, and, and have a small bite of a wafer, there's nothing that happens there, friends, other than having a little sip of juice and a taste of food. But no, this, is a, this simple act symbolizes the great thing that God did for us. And so as we come into this time, we're going to move through it fairly quickly today because you are in your homes and, and the steps are, are different than what they would be if we were here in the room together. But it is a solemn time to be able to think about what does our repentance look like when we're walking away from Christ, walking towards the cross, and only able to do so, not because of our own strength, but because of what he did when he sacrificed himself for us. We call this time communion. Those two words together, common union. This is what we have in common. Whether we're in a room together here in this place, whether we're sitting at different tables here on this stage, or whether you're sitting with your family at home at the coffee table. Uh, what this time looks like is a time for us to celebrate with other believers and with Christ himself what it looks like for us to grab a hold of that today is the day. He is the Christ. Jesus is Lord, and we repent from our sins because of who he is. So if you'll take uh, your cracker or your bread or whatever you have with me, with you, let us share in that time together. So Lord, as we come to you as a communion time, Lord, we pray that we would prepare our hearts. We pray, Lord, that we would understand what repentance looks like. And Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we turn to you, reach out our hands to you, and ask you to save us. This crowd, Lord, that stood 3,000, we're going to accept you to, to, because they saw their own sin. Lord, let it be that anyone in the sound of my voice through a, a, a mobile phone or through a television screen or whatever it is, Lord, that they would understand through the words that you have shared with us in Scripture as I have shared them today, Lord, that they need to repent of their sin so that you will forgive them through the sacrifice you made on the cross. Lord, we trust you. And thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I begin to say, as our time of communion opens here, let me also ask you, uh, please, please partake. If you are a, a believer in Christ, you have devoted yourself as a follower of Christ, uh, would you join us in this meal together uh, from your home uh, to hear uh, the, the house of God? But if you're not... If you don't know Christ yet, uh, would you please send us a text message, send us something, allow us to be able to share more deeply with you because we, we believe that this thing is such a beautiful time between believers that we want you to understand what that means. And scripture says uh, you, the day of the Lord is coming. It says be sure not to take communion uh, in error. And so be sure this morning that you are not taking communion in error, that you have repented of your sins and that you have asked him for forgiveness. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we get the instructions for communion, and it says this, For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord, there's the word again, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, 
which is broken for you, do in remembrance of me. Would you break bread together with us today? As an ultimate act of sacrifice, Jesus' body was broken on the cross. He was given for you. The wounds that he bore, the, the pain and suffering that he bore in the physical sense, and then the, the wrath of God poured on him for your sin and for mine, broke his body. And then the blood poured forth. In the same way he also took the cup Jesus did foreshadowing what would happen. After supper he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you do this in remembrance of me as Jesus tells us? Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for your word. We thank you for the power in which Peter steps up to the microphone and shares the tremendous truths of the gospel that would ripple out from that moment forward or that the early church would grab a hold of and that these ideals would be exactly what they would, would see as foundational truths by which the church would form. And here we are, Lord, more than 2,000 years later, grabbing a hold of the same foundational truths because they are your truths that we are to live by. Lord, we pray that we have done that well today. We pray, Lord, that uh, the same power and the same excitement and the same life change that we see happening in people's lives there, that in the middle of crisis, in the middle of concern, in the middle of fear and anxiety, Lord, that there would be the same comfort that they received, knowing that a holy God was dwelling in them through the power of the Holy Spirit, that they moved forward with boldness. Lord, give us boldness to move forward. Let us trust in you. Thank you that you are the Messiah. You are the Lord. Lord, let today be the day of salvation for someone who's listening today. We trust you in all things. We thank you for the way that you brought us together. In your mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for joining us today. We're going to begin wrapping up our service with just a few announcements and ways that you can get connected this week with the church. We may be separated, but church is still ongoing, and so we are so happy that we are able to connect with one another. As Pastor Milo mentioned, if you uh, want to talk to one of our pastors more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you can do that by emailing the church office at randallchurch.org, or either one of us, Brian, Mario, or Milo, uh, any of those names, at randallchurch.org, uh, if you would like a pastor to, or an elder to pray with you, call you, and talk to you more about what it means to follow Christ. And one of the best ways you can follow Christ is getting involved. And so on your screen right now, you should be seeing some of the things that are coming up uh, that you can get involved virtually here at church during the week. We're beginning tonight with our high school group at 6 p.m. via Zoom. Uh, I set up an email, so all of you should have received uh, the login information for that as the service was going on through the magic of technology. But that will be 6 p.m. tonight. 
And then on Monday at 8.30, we are back to our virtual Facebook groups, and that will be with Pastor Milo and his wife Erin, 8.30 p.m. on the Randall Church Facebook page. Tuesday at 2 on the Randall Youth Facebook page will be the, the, uh, the Randall Youth Update with Denise and myself. So we thank you for those who have been tuning in. And also on Tuesday is the middle school group at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom. Once again, that information has been emailed to parents so that your student, uh, your son or daughter can join us for that. On Wednesday night, Pastor Brian and his wife Molly host the virtual group on Facebook also. And so you can join them there at 8.30 p.m. And then on Thursday night, if you're part of our, if you're one of our partners, thank you so much for reaching out and ministering to our students and our younger children through this Christian Service Brigade and American Heritage Girls. I've been hearing great things about what those groups have been doing during this time. So again, thank you to our partner groups for doing that. You should be receiving information about that from those groups if you're a part of them. And finally, Saturday night uh, is our kids' slideshow. You should be receiving an email if you're a part of our children's ministry that has uh, the Bible study and the lessons that are, that are going on for the week. Sorry, and one more Sunday morning. We do meet again next week at 10.15. So we, we're so happy. I see it on the stream here. We see that there's, um, there's a, just a bunch of people joining us. We just want to thank you so much for joining us during this time because it is a little weird to do it virtually. I think uh, Pastor Milo and Brian and myself, we enjoy doing this together as a table talk, and we're just so glad for the interaction that we have knowing that we can't wait to be together with everybody uh, once, once again. Uh, with that in mind, uh, I do want to just ask you and, and just thank the church for the fact that over the last few weeks, uh, many of you have continued to, continued to support the church financially through your tithes and offerings. Listen, everything that, um, that we're doing as a church is continuing to go on despite the fact that we can't be together. We are still supporting missionaries, and what a joy it has been over the last few weeks to know that uh, the finances have been able have been coming in for us to actually continue supporting missionaries and not have to call any of our missionaries and say that we have to lower any funds or stop giving. So thank you so much for doing that, for supporting the work that this church is doing in this community. Again, would you just consider, um, if you haven't already, going to give.randallchurch.org and um, setting up an online uh, tither offering that you could do just to continue the work here that we are doing for the gospel of Jesus Christ in this area and around the world. Uh, in light of that, today is the first Sunday of the month, and normally what we do on the first Sunday of the month is we do our care offering. And this care offering is what we use when we hear about specific needs that are happening in the church. And I do want to highlight that because uh, when, with this time when there are folks who may be out of a job, there may be folks who need groceries, it could be a variety of things financially, that are the needs in our community. We do a care offering on the first Sunday where that, those offerings are given specifically to a care fund where if somebody calls a church and says they need groceries, you know how it's just a wonderful thing to be able to hand them a, a Wegmans gift card or to be able to pay for um, a rent or just different things that we've been able to do over the last few years with our care fund. So if you would, uh, when you go to give.randallchurch.org, there is a drop down where you can give to that fund and we want to highlight specifically one of our sisters in Christ today who has um, recently had surgery for cancer. Uh, we want to be able to help support them during this time. Uh, many of you know Vicki. She works in our office. If you go today to the CARE Fund and, uh, and you leave anything in there, we want you to know that, that today we're going to be helping to support her family 
during this time. She had surgery for cancer this week, and we want to make sure that there is no stress, no burden on her and her family during this time. So please do that as the Lord leads you. And again, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Brian. He's going to talk about some other ways you can get involved during this time serving our community. Yeah, thanks, Mario. Um, yeah, we, what we like to do is we like to highlight one presence project uh, once a week of things that you can do, tangible things you can do to get involved and to help uh, be a light to our community. Uh, one of these ways is the CARE Fund. It's a way that we can tell our community we're here for you and in a tangible way uh, provide for, uh, for needs that come up in the community. This week, what we wanted to do is highlight ways that we can encourage one another uh, in the midst of this, right? We are, we've just shared a common union together and we are connected uh, as we belong to Christ, who is our first fruit, who is the Lord over death. And so uh, when we experience a hardship like that, uh, we, uh, what Paul actually tells us to do is to encourage one another that we are this temple of the Holy Spirit that are building each other up uh, towards, towards Christ. And so this week, it's a very simple one, but one that we can do together is just think about one person, whether it's someone from our church or perhaps somebody from the neighborhood that you can encourage uh, this week in the name of Jesus. So we have here on the screen, uh, somebody's already uh, put some uh, sidewalk chalk, some uh, scripture verses that have come, uh, uh, come along. We've had people uh, for different other surgeries, different uh, needs that have come up, just some encouragement with yard signs uh, that they've put in, uh, in people's front yards uh, of our church just to encourage them. Again, when Paul wrote to uh, the, the church in Thessalonica, right, they were experiencing some similar things. They were experiencing death in their community. They didn't know how to respond. And so Paul said to them, encourage in Christ, in the gospel, encourage one each, each other and build them up. So this is what we want to do this week. Uh, we are experiencing something unlike any other. And so as we face this together, let us encourage one another that Jesus wins, that death doesn't have the final word, and so we can build each other up in these ways. So think of one thing you could do this week, whether from someone from our church, someone in your neighborhood, someone you know, uh, write some sidewalk chalk, put something in their window, read to them through a window if they've got kids that you could encourage them and remind them that Jesus is Lord and that death doesn't have the final say that we win in the end, and Christ is our first fruit. Good stuff. Amen. That's good. All right. Well, as we're nearing a close this morning, uh, this is unprecedented times, as we've been talking about. And so uh, there is an unusual thing that we're going to do uh, in, the, in the coming month here, and that is to try uh, something new uh, <laughs> and to have our annual meeting uh, in a virtual format. And so uh, I do feel like I need to have a herald's voice to be able to read this. So there's the official <laughs> announcement, and it says this, To all who shall hear these words, greetings. <laughs> Notice is hereby given that the annual meeting of the membership of Helen M. Randall Memorial Baptist Church will be held on May the 17th, 2020 at 1 p.m. via Zoom conference meeting. For the purposes of electing elders Bill Hine and Kevin Lamb, voting on the proposed budget, and for the transaction of any other such businesses as may be brought before the church for consideration. That statement has never been read before. <laughs> that, it's the first time. The yeah. first time we've ever said that. Yeah, has never the been said. The yes, Zoom meeting. quite like that. So, uh, in a similar fashion to many of the other Zoom meetings that we have, uh, what you'll receive is tomorrow morning you will receive, uh, similarly as if you were here on a Sunday, 
uh, you'll receive uh, a PDF that has uh, the reports that are going to be shared in that meeting. And then uh, when we get closer to it, you'll receive the links uh, to be able to join us that day, 1 p.m. on May the 17th, for our annual meeting here as a church. And so we'd love to have you participate in that. So we're looking forward to be able to doing that together, be able to share the vision for what God is going to be doing here over the next year as well as we can see and foresee uh, going into the future. Thanks so much for being a part today. Uh, we know you can be doing a dozen other things, and particularly on a sunny day, uh, many of you are starting to pull away from the computer screen, and we get it. Uh, we understand we'll be doing the same thing here as well. But thank you so much. Uh, if you have any needs at all, as Pastor Mario just referred to, would you please send us an email, a text message, a phone call. Let us know. Uh, we are ready to respond. We have the resources available because of the uh, charitable contributions of many of you. We are ready, uh, but we just uh, need the opportunity to be able to serve. So let us know if you have anything at all. Uh, in, other, in other words, uh, let us uh, be sending ourselves off today to be able to be reminded today is the day Jesus is Christ. He is the Lord, and we repent and we move forward. So thank you so much for being here. Grace and peace to all of you. Be blessed. Have a great day. Take friends. care.